Hello. Welcome to a very timely, very special bonus episode of Radical Audacity. I'm Tiffany Kane, the Heck Yes Coach, and I'm here today with a special episode that I did with my friend Hilary Russo, who is the host of the Holistically Speaking podcast, and my friends Emily Palacios and Stephanie Loverde, who are the hosts of the Cycle Chats podcast. We held a virtual meetup called Female Voices Will Be Heard, and it was the day after the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so many of us had so many big emotions that we needed help processing together. And we just felt like being together to process our emotions and what we're thinking about with this topic would just be so very helpful. As women, our strength is connecting. So I think you will find some solace and some comfort in the conversations that we had in this meetup. It was a lovely small meetup of a few women really sharing the implications of Roe v. Wade. And what is so beautiful about the group of women that we had together is most of us grew up with Roe v. Wade being the law of the land and knowing that choice was there for us. I was born in 1974 and Roe v. Wade um, became the law or, you know, Supreme Court said, oh, upheld it in 1972. And so it's been my whole life. And while I never chose to have an abortion myself, knowing that the choice is there was very, very comforting to me in so many different parts of my life where um, just having choice is so important. And I think in so many aspects of our life, just knowing we have a choice is important. We may not ever use the choice, but knowing we have it is vital. And I believe Roe v. Wade goes so much bigger than just the topic of abortion, just the topic, are you pro-life or pro-choice? It really is about autonomy and trusting women, trusting women to be able to make decisions for our bodies and for our families and be able to make those decisions with our medical providers and between us and our families and our, our spiritual being, you know, whoever our spiritual being is. And as we all know, when these rights start getting attacked, other rights will be as well. If you have not listened to Glennon Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things podcast. She has an, I, I highly recommend you do. They did an episode recently that was so powerful and so beautiful. It's episode 108, uploaded on June 27th, entitled Abortion Family Meeting on Four Things to Do Next. Glennon's sister, Amanda, is hosting this episode, and she talks about a lot of the underlying issues that basically crumbled the, the walls that were upholding 
the ceiling, the roof that was Roe v. Wade, and how these walls crumbling is what really, really hurt us, and how we need to think about this issue as so much bigger than just abortion. It is all, it's really about all of the ways when people's voices are shut down, when minorities are not given the same rights as others because of gerrymandering of political lines, because of um, voting laws going into place that quiet the voices of underrepresented people, underrepresented people in our community. So I encourage you as you are listening to this conversation today to really think that this topic is so much bigger than just abortion. This topic is how do we make sure our voices are heard? How do we make sure that what is important and valuable to us, we uphold. And to do this, we have to come together as a community across political lines. This cannot be a political conversation. This has to be a human conversation. Please enjoy listening to this episode and reach out to me. I want to hear from you after. I'd love to hear what you have to add to this topic and how you are feeling. Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Brene Brown says, here's what I believe. If you are offended or hurt when you hear Hillary Clinton or Maxine Waters called bitch, whore, or the C word, you should be equally offended and hurt when you hear those same words used to describe Ivanka Trump, Kellyanne Conway, or Teresa May. And she, it's a kind of a long quote, but she finishes with, um, there is a line. It's etched from dignity and raging, fearful people from the right and left are crossing it at unprecedented rates every single day. We must never tolerate dehumanization, the primary instrument of violence that has been used in every genocide recorded throughout history. So this is from Braving the Wilderness, and I really, really agree with that. So today we are going to rage. We're going to tell our stories. We're going to let our feelings out. This is a safe place for feelings. But what I would really, really like is for us to refrain from hate language, dehumanizing language, anything that says somebody should be harmed or hurt because we do not agree with their opinions. So it's kind of the the rules for today. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Um, okay, one other time. Um, we are recording, and the idea is that the podcasters that are on this are going to be using the recording for their podcast to amplify your voices and your stories. If you do not want 
your name used, write anonymous in front of your name. And if you do not want your story used, put an X in front of your name. Okay. All right. All right. So let's introduce the podcasters that are here. I would love to introduce Emily Palacios. She is one of the co-hosts of the Cycle Chats podcast. Um, And her episode was released this week on my podcast. So it's kind of beautiful timing. Emily, will you tell us a little bit about you and why you're involved in this virtual meetup today? Yeah. Hi, ladies. So uh, my co-host and I, Stephanie, hopefully she'll make her appearance later, unless that is Stephanie. I'm not quite sure. She's working in camp shop right now. Uh, um, so that could have been the kids yelling at her. Yes. See, it is. That's Steph. Yeah, that would be <laughs> Stephanie uh, working with children. So those were them yelling. So we started our podcast about two years ago. We were both actors, performers, and children's theater teachers. When the pandemic hit, we lost our jobs due to the pandemic. I was literally in California with my national tour of old Jews telling jokes when the pandemic hit, and we had to close our show early due to the safety of us and our family members. Um, And the children's theater that we worked at actually closed down as well. So for a few months, as we always say, kind of just like swam in this pool of not knowing what we were going to do with our lives and decided that we had really missed working together, missed educating and inspiring our students, but especially our female students, because they're, they were typically anywhere between the ages of five and 13. So they had a lot of questions about their bodies and how they felt about love. And we were very open and honest with them. Um, so we decided to start our podcast cycle chats, which yes, of course, uh, people always assume is just about menstrual cycles, but it really is about breaking the cycle of being a woman, not just your period. Yes, of course we do talk about that because that's a big part of the really false education that there is out there or lack of education. Um, so we bring on guests all the time. We talk about totally different topics and just breaking down these ideals of past times and what it means really to be a woman today. We both turned 30 this year and what we believe in is not maybe what our parents brought us up to believe in. So that's kind of what our podcast is about. And I am here today because I am 30. So I am kind of in those right old age of childbearing years. My husband and I literally had the talk about, I don't know, probably six months ago now about the next step of our family and if that would include children. And this is a really big deal for us. You know, I had to, I'm going to not cry, but I had to text him when it did happen and have a really long conversation when he was at work about what happens if, when I do get pregnant, this baby is, or whatever this alien thing in my stomach is, happens outside the uterus, right? And I am just not able to get the care that I need to protect myself uh, because we are in Florida. And uh, Florida, as we like to say, is the wild, wild west out here. Nobody wears masks. Nobody thinks COVID's real. It's a little bit strange, but okay. Um, good thing I work from home. So uh, it's uh, it was a conversation that I never thought I would have to have, but a conversation that I guess was necessary. So that's going to be a big part of these uh, next few years for the two of us and deciding if we want to move forward because I don't know if I'm willing to put my life at risk just to bring something else into this world. So that's why I'm here today. 
Thank I you, think Emily. you deserve the right to choose. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And Hillary, will you tell us why you are here today will, holding space for people and willing to amplify their voices? I love that you use that term. I do use that term that a term, lot, don't I? I just, yes, you do. And I just love it. It's so Hillary. That's the therapist in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, everyone. I am elated to be here and joining my dear friend, Tiffany, and fellow podcasters, listeners, and those who identify as women. Uh, I am Hillary Russo. I'm the Holistically Speaking Health Coach. I also host a podcast called Holistically Speaking. It is empowering conversations of trauma to triumph through health, healing, and humor. I've been in the broadcast media industry for close to 30 years now. (laughs) I say that number every time, like it gets the next five, five year level. I'm like, really? Is it 30 now? Uh, Yeah. Since, since I walked out of college, I've been in a TV anchor. I've been uh, in radio and obviously podcasting was the only medium I have not covered. And I'm a health and wellness journalist. So I focus on stories around health and wellness, which is really my jam. I love doing that. But on top of that, I'm also a mental health practitioner. I'm certified in uh, havening techniques, which is a psychosensory approach that uses touch to alter in the landscape of the brain. I'm trauma-informed, trauma-educated. So this is an area very dear and near and dear to my heart. And uh, I'm also an integrative nutrition health coach and hypnotherapist. And for me, the reason why I'm here is because as a journalist and as a media professional, I'm used to holding space for people to share their stories, to amplify their voices. Not everyone has a microphone or a camera at their availability. So it's a responsibility I take very seriously. And as a practitioner, those same spaces that I'm holding are more intimate and private, and it might not be broadcast out, but it's an opportunity to be able to share authentically with integrity, with love and listen and be an active listener. And that's really what my podcast is about. Majority of my listeners are listeners, you know, uh, they're not watching it. They're doing different things. They're sitting down. They're they're wondering how to incorporate things in their lives. They're learning from guests of mine that have varied expertise. And then the moments like today's podcast that I released, which was all about holding space for those who don't have a microphone and uh, making a short episode where it was just me sharing suggestions and ideas and ways that we can heal, but also holding space for my microphone to be amplifying the voices of those who are the voiceless. So that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm here to listen. I'm here to answer questions uh, as a professional in, in the mental health area and anything that, you know, just again, hold space as a woman and someone who identifies as a woman. Thank you, Hillary. And I am Tiffany Kane, the host of Radical Audacity in Love and Life. And I really wanted this to happen so that we can get some solace. I know talking through things brings me comfort, brings me understanding, which is why podcasting is so perfect for me. Cause when my family is sick of me talking through everything, I get to talk through it with my audience, which is just fantastic. Um, I recently started releasing kind of raw unedited episodes, which drives my partner crazy. Cause he's a professional editor and he's like, what are you doing? Like, it just has to get out. It has to get out right now. Cause this is on my heart and in my space. So we wanted you guys to know you ladies to know who the podcasters are that you are opening up to. These are beautiful, loving, supportive women 
that are here to support you and amplify your stories and your voice. And we are here to hear what you have to say. So without further ado, who would like to get started? You may either tell your story or you may ask a question or you may share your feelings, your concerns, whatever it is that's on your heart right now. Go for it. Um, hello, my name is Holly and, um, I don't know any of you. I, I bumped into Tiffany on Instagram somehow and just felt really called to be here. Um, I started a little like Instagram project two years ago and it's all about positivity. And I do believe that we have a choice in how we see the world and what we focus on. And, um, I think we can choose joy and I, um, for some reason, all the things that have happened in the past two years, so much trauma, I've been able to get through it until this last week. And Mm. when Roe was overturned, I broke open and Mm. I have a lot of feelings about it. I have a lot of feelings because I have a lot of guilt. Like it took me till now. This is not even like affecting me directly, right? I'm 55 years old. I'm married. I have privilege. I like, you know, I feel a lot of guilt for even being this upset about it. It's, it feels just, I just have such compassion for women and it feels so personal. It feels, I feel so disvalued, devalued all of a sudden. I just like, I think it's just opening up all these things that I didn't know were right there under the surface. So, um, yeah, so that's why I'm here today. Just, I just wanted to be able to say that out loud and, um, just acknowledge that this is a really hard time for people. And I'm in Oregon. I'm in a place where like, you know, it's the deepest blue of the blue and like where else, you know, how the right to, you know, a you know, choice is never going to be taken away here. I don't think, but you know, it can, it's all just feels very, very surreal. So Hi. <laughs> Holly, I would love to let you know that these big giant emotions that you're feeling right now, I think we all resonate with that. I think that's why we're here. Um, Even like you said, I'm in California. I'm 48. I had a hysterectomy. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't directly affect me, but I, I don't think that's the important part of this. I think the important part of this is realizing how it affects women all over the United States and that we are a part of that. And this is something that for so many of us was so fundamental through, through our, our young womanhood of this right to choose that we had that right. We had that right. We may never have needed to use it. We may have needed to use it. Maybe we never wanted to use it. But knowing that it was there right. was kind of a a safe feeling and a trusting feeling. And to have that taken away. Hmm. And, and knowing I'm, that you had agency, right? That you have yes. agency over your own body. And I think that's the bigger thing is that it's being told as a woman, nope, you don't you don't count anymore in that. And like the bigger issue is like they're going back to like the constitution, not to get 
political, but like, we're not in the constitution. Mm -hmm. Like we're not even in there. So it's like, it just feels like that agency has been like stripped away. Like we are going to control you. And, you know, so I do have a lot of like guilt about being upset. Like, you know, there's a lot of marginalized people in the world and, you know, now I get upset. So I have a lot of guilt for that too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anyone has, you know, anything to offer me there, but it just, it feels kind of almost embarrassing, you know, cause it's like, until it directly kind of affects me, then I get upset. <laughs> I don't know. That's a different issue. Hillary, it looked like you had yeah, something. I'd like to, I'd like to add something, Holly, thank you for being so vulnerable and courageous by sharing. Um, the one thing I would like to share with you as well as the rest of us in the room is that this does impact all of us even if you haven't been through it, the guilt we feel sometimes can be associated with generational trauma. Mm-hmm. We live historically in a society that's dominated by men. However, I don't want to shun men because they have their own traumas from this. There are plenty mm-hmm. of fathers who have lost children uh, that are trying to be the container to hold space for the women that they love and are partners with. And it's a difficult place where we stand right now because in addition to it not maybe personally affecting you maybe an abortion has never been in your presence maybe you've 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 had good pregnancies you know whatever the case is you still innately have you in you is a nurturing sense as a woman and i i believe i can only speak for myself that i feel that i've mm-hmm. i've never been confronted with some of those things either. I'm 49 years old. Uh, have I had moments where you have to go buy a test and you're either like excited or freaking out? It's one or the other, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's pink or it's blue, right? There's no gray area. And the thing is, is that we, we start what ifing ourselves to death. And the what ifs are what can be very detrimental because we start thinking, well, what if this happened? What mm-hmm. if that happened? And then our bodies go into that, that our nervous system goes awry. Mm-hmm. So all I can say is that, and, and I say this all the time to clients and myself as well, that whatever's showing up for you, whatever you're feeling, feel it. Mm-hmm. All parts matter. Yes. Right. All parts matter. And when we try to sweep it under the rug and say to ourselves that, oh, it's, it has nothing to do with me. Oh, girl, it has everything to do with you mm-hmm. because it's you. And then you're just right. shaming yourself. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Thank you. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So Thanks. you're loved, Emily. you're valued. And, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Emily, yeah. You don't have to raise your hand. Emily. Oh, okay. I just, I, <laughs> Stephanie knows I love to raise my hand. That's part of being an educator. I'm like, raise your hand kids. They're like, okay, you got it. I don't like when they don't talk out of turn. Um, but anyway, Holly, I just wanted to say that I totally understand how you're feeling because something that Stephanie and my friend said to us after we all lost our jobs and we were just kind of, I mean, like performers literally had nowhere to turn. We were just take everything that we had worked for was stripped away from us and we couldn't do anything. Um, some of us decided to, but a lot of us couldn't do anything. We just weren't willing to risk it because of COVID. And she put it in the way of telling us that 
we have to realize that we're in fight or flight, right? During these last two years, we've all been on the edge of our seats in this fight and flight kind of mindset. And because of that, I think I chose flight, right? I didn't really want to deal with any of it. I kind of shut myself away. And when you do that, you're prioritizing a different mindset. And the feelings, while you may have them, and I've, of course, cried over these last two years, huge emotional crier. Um, we love a good shower cry. We talk about it all the time on our podcast. I think, like you, a lot of things didn't hit me until this week because mm-hmm. I was in fight or flight for these last two years, just going, 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 going. And then this happened. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, is this not the cherry on top of that goddamn Sunday? Like, <laughs> And this is when the emotions really started to come up for me as well. So I'm just wondering if that is probably, I'm assuming, but as we all know, what happens when you assume you make an ass of you of me, but I'm assuming that is also what was going on for you. So like Hillary was saying, don't guilt yourself because that's not going to work for you. That's terrible juju, brush that off, but like live in those feelings. Like if you're upset, cry about it great. We love a good cry. Get some Ben and Jerry's, some cookie dough, like talk to other women and surround yourself with this and we'll find a way through it. But don't, the guilting yourself, it's never going to help at the end of the day. Just feel your feelings and, and realize that this is a really crappy time in the world and you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me that I just, you know, was very busy the last two years creating a lot of great stuff and doing a lot of good things. And like, yeah. And then boom, this like came up against a brick wall and then I'm shaming myself for it. And it's like, no, I survived all this other stuff. Like what, why this, you know? And it's just, whatever it is, it is. It's just, it's a moment. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Holly. Yeah, thank you for the space. Lynn, I see your hand up. Oh, gosh, I have so many thoughts about this. Um, So hello, everyone. I'm Lynn, and I am a sound healing therapist. And when I went into sound healing, so I'm a classically trained musician, and I went into sound healing for lots of different reasons, but all of the emotions that we're feeling with this overturning of Roe is they're all valid, right? As we've said. And I think it's super important that, you know, the initial response is shock. So we were on our way back from um, California, from your state there, Tiffany. And I was in the airport and I heard this announcement and my husband was like, you know, shared the news with me. And He's very matter of fact. And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) That was my first reaction is like, what alternative universe are we in Mm -hmm. that this is even a topic? And of course, it's normal to get mad and angry. And so it's super important to let those emotions come up and, and out. And then after we process those emotions, of course, a lot of the the guilt, the shame, the anger, these are really low vibrations, right? And that, not that they we don't want to feel them, but what happens if we get stuck in those is they can be really um, dangerous to our health. Mm-hmm. And so as I was processing all of that, I thought, you know, I'm going to have a little temper tantrum and be mad <laughs> about this. This is bullshit. And, um, you know, I, I had a friend in college who had an abortion 
Um, and I fortunately never had to face those things, but I remember being worried that I was pregnant, um, wondering, you know, like what my options would be. And I'm immediately brought back to those moments, right? When you hear this, like, you don't have the choice anymore. And so that brings this flood of like past traumas and things that have gone, you've gone through, it really just kind of stirs this pot and I've let those kind of come in and then go back out. Um, and so instead of like getting mad and throwing insults at one another, I think it's super important that we mobilize as mm-hmm. women, regardless of where you stand is that I, f- I truly believe even if you're pro-life um, or pro-choice, the bottom line is, is health, right? Yeah. That the health of a woman, her mental state is also it, it, it you know, there's so, there's, there's so many things at play and it's easy to want to start like picking sides and having these arguments. And I've seen them happen with really good friends of mine. And there's a temptation to jump in there, right? And in like, you know, stir the pot some more. And I've just decided that I was going to hold space for people, including myself, and <clears throat> be and to really learn how I could mobilize and help others. Um, whether that means I'm just listening to a friend or I'm making a phone call to congressmen, um, whatever it might be, that we turn that energy of guilt or shame or whatever it is, and we, you know, we process it, let it come in and come out, and then think, okay, what are the steps I can take that are going to have a positive impact instead of like curling insults of spending time on social media? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing your opinion, but um, I've seen some really great human beings kind of like reduced to rubble by, you know, calling out names and even a friend who said, I'm not going to call out names and starts to go down that rabbit hole of Republicans versus Democrats. And I think it's too dangerous to do that because I think there's Republicans that don't believe in this overturning. And I think there's Democrat, you know, like I think those labels are just, they're shameless. Like you just need to let them go. Um, and as women, we deserve the right to make decisions on our health, whatever that means. And, you know, I, I feel since I was a child, I little, I could sense when things were wrong. And I remember feeling like I was the fire starter and the truth teller and re- feeling my mom would say, you know, just be quiet, go in the, go in the corner and be quiet, just know your place. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, I lived in that shame of not wanting to speak out um, and now I realize I have this voice and this platform, even in my own business, to say these this isn't right and that there's things we can do to change and not get stuck in the, the shaming of others because we're living in shame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just um, – and, and my first husband was extremely abusive um, emotionally and towards the end physically – and I just, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what would have happened had I not had that choice? Had I gotten pregnant by an abusive man to have this baby that I would be connected with, right? Um, that we always deserve that choice. And I think it's really frustrating when probably 80% of the population or more believes that we have a right, but yet we've got nine people voting for 300 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's, I think it's bullshit is what it is. And, you know, it's, 
um, not to repeat myself, but, um, you know, the, the, the bullshit needs to stop. It's, it's not, it's not fair. And I don't think one man on this planet has any right to make a decision for me, period. Um, you know, they may tell, like a doctor may say, this is not a viable pregnancy. This could, you know, that, that's a whole different thing, right? That's a specialist, but, um, and now you see the, the states are now starting to, you know, they've got these trigger bans in place. And I think within weeks, you're going to see more and more states, you know, yeah. pulling the, the plug on abortions as well. And I, I'm just very fearful because as, you know, as a white privileged human being, um, like, what do you do? Especially somebody said, well, you just go to a state where you can get one. Well, that's not how people who are don't have those privileges can function. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know in Texas, there were places where they couldn't have abortions and then they're panicked and they've already taken time off from work and they're not getting paid. And, you know, it's just a, this trickle down effect. So I, I just encourage anybody who's for this overturning to really sit and think about how this affects women all across this nation and around the world who are seeing this poor example um, by our government making decisions for women. Because I have friends in England who are like, what the hell is going on over there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, um, I just think that if we mobilize as, as, a, as a community, we can really start to share our voices in a positive way instead of shaming and calling names and, and whatever it might be. Because that's the, that's the trigger, right? Is like, oh, no, you didn't. And then you get into that fight or flight mode and you lose your emotional intelligence and then it's all down the toilet from there. Um, but um, so that's kind of where I sit is that I've never had to make that decision, but I remember wondering if I was pregnant, missing a period or whatever it was, and being incredibly worried, but I had that choice. And now, if that was the same Lynn, you know, I live in Iowa. Ours, we have a ban already. Mm. And um, I don't have, I, you know, children of my own. I have stepchildren and um, godchildren, and I just can't even imagine being in a place where you can't make those decisions. And it isn't so easy it's just to get in the car and drive somewhere. You know, yeah. that, that's not even the point of it. It's, um, anyway, so thank you for listening. There is something so violating is the word that comes to mind mm-hmm. about being told that there is a ban on your choice. Just like mm-hmm. that in and of itself. Not only that, do you not have a choice, but there is a ban with legal repercussions on your choice. Mm-hmm. And that feels very violating. And that's a wonderful point that, you know, you can be imprisoned for 50, what is it? 15 years or something like, like, or, what year is it? Yeah. And I just think of, you know, this row goes back to, is it 1973? And all the, all the, the freedom that was won at that moment. And now we've stepped back in time I just, it's, it's just, um, and I think it's one of those moments. So I'm not, I'll be surprised. Um, I'm not super surprised this has happened because I think it's like all these things are being shook up mm-hmm. and it's an awake, an awakening for us. Right. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's like calling for us to do something more, mm-hmm. all of us to do something more. Yes. And then it also precipitates this thinking about women across the the world that are in these horrible situations and, you know, whether it's rape, incest, trauma, what, you know, whatever it is, 
Um, it just really gets you thinking, especially when you're empathic and you, you, you can relate to that. Um, yes, it's very violating, even when it's not happening directly to you. And I feel like I just want to go out in the streets and fight for people um, and, and mobilize and say, you know, come on, you know, it's 2022. <laughs> Haven't we evolved? And why are, why is the Supreme Court making these decisions in the first place? Like, isn't there separation of church and state? And, you know, it just gets really murky. Um, and also, I think all the men shouldn't be able to vote, period. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're exempt. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah, and, and I also want to, as we're having this conversation today, everybody listening that's going to listen to this conversation after, to know that it doesn't have to be some horrible traumatic reason that you're considering an abortion, right? It doesn't have to be rape. It doesn't have to be incest. It doesn't have to be that your life is threatened by um, you know, this pregnancy. Definitely having abortion as an option for those is vitally important, but also it could very well be that your this is not good for your you, your mental health, for your family's financial health. We all know how pregnancy is a giant burden. And I have two children I love so much, but pregnancy and babies, they're a huge financial burden and women disproportionately carry that burden. And so for a woman to be able to say, this is not something my, a burden my family can take on right now, you know, it doesn't have to be a trauma, a traumatic experience that triggers a woman being able to even consider that choice. Right. So just anybody listening, I just want to put that out there as well. Okay. Who's next? Just share. Can I can I share yes. on that point too? Because while one in four pregnancies do end in miscarriage, which is quite an astronomical number, and many of those pregnancies um, can't be naturally terminated and need assistance, and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be incest or rape. Um, I think one thing to consider, Tiff, is that, in agreement with you, by the way, is that um, we we have this thought process, especially as we get older. And I think, like you said, you're 48, I'm 49. There, that having somebody tell me uh, if, if for some reason I'm, be, I'm being very precaution precautionary, I'm taking safety measures. And I somehow get pregnant and I'm a single woman and there is a self, there's a selfishness to choosing that I know at this point in my age, a child that I could be, I, I, that I, that I might, um, if I'm pregnant would be considered a geriatric pregnancy. Mm -hmm. The chances of birth defects are extremely high with each passing year past 33 right around that age. So it, when we are taking an, uh, a, making a choice to say this, it is, it is always going to come back to health in some manner because it's either mental or physical, emotional, the, the, you can't remove health from it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's making an, an educated decision that is for the best of you and others. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of people with the signs out there. I'll adopt your baby. 
I'll adopt your baby. And I can see all the heads shaking right now because I imagine a number of people are thinking right now, what about the hundreds of thousands of kids in foster care that you're not adopting? Why not them? Mm -hmm. So it's not to pass judgment, but it's to think we're really needing to have some conversations now, right? Um, and that's that's kind of where I wanted to go with that because I, I just don't think it's possible to remove health from this issue, yeah. right? It might not be physical, but it's definitely emotional or spiritual or on some capacity. Yes. And we have to be mindful of that. Yes. I just wanted to put out there because you said oh. foster care and my little ding, ding, ding went off. My brother and his husband have been together for it's almost like 10 years, but they've been married for five and they will be adopting a well, actually fostering to adopt a child. They just completed a course of 12 weeks. Uh, the child is going to be anywhere between eight and 11 because those are the kids that usually don't get fostered to adopt. And they don't care what the child's sex is, what their sexual orientation, they don't care about. It. They just want to love a kid. And I think that's, that is like the whole conversation, right? Is like, we are just human beings no matter who we love, what our sexual orientation, our religion, like it doesn't matter. Why are we just not treated like a whole human being? And that's always my issue when it comes to rights. I'm like, why are we not being treated like humans? Yeah. So I just wanted yeah. to put that in there. Yeah. Regina, go for it. Um, I just wanted to say, don't you think it's odd that it was so difficult to get a gun law passed? That was like barely didn't do anything. I mean, come on. And then this massive radical outlawing of choice. I mean, I grew up in the 70s, man. It's like I took all that for granted, mm -hmm. all of it. I mean, it wasn't even a thing, you know, by the time I came of age at all. It was already there. So there's that. And then, you know, all these people should be forced to watch this series called The Midwife. Are any of you familiar with that yep. series? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it's phenomenal. It covers everything and it shows the whole um, progression of women's lives before they had choice and birth control mm -hmm. and how, I mean, talk about health. Their health was deplorable. And mm -hmm. they looked like shriveled up old ladies by the time, you know, they, they're, 30 probably you know it's just bad and then also i agree this is, should not be an issue that a man can vote on period a fetus is part of a woman's body that's just like saying oh let's take you know anything i mean if you can do that what else you know that's my question so I, I think it's extremely disturbing. And um, yeah, I'm way past that point. I mean, I am nobody's wife or mother and happy about it. And it's like, but I know if I were, were at that age, that vulnerable age, I mean, I mean, I'm what would I do that I'm doing differently now? Probably a lot more but I'm still going to do whatever I can. Um, I'm an artist and I'm, my next show, I'm going to have it. So part of the proceeds go to whatever organ. I don't know if anyone here knows what organization is the most effective in fighting this, please let me know. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to be a good thing. I, you know, that's the way that I can do it. Yeah. So that's all. Reg Regina, if I may add, uh, I took part in a, 
in a group podcast. Uh, I guess we collaborated with um, a, a group called podvoices.help. And a number of us that released podcasts this week on this issue put out an, ex- an extensive list of different organizations that you can either support with abortion rights or you can, if you need help, you can find help from anywhere from how you can participate to provide help yourself to right. I need help, like whether, you know, finding out the laws in your state, uh, finding out where to get the plan C. See yeah. pill. So all of that, I actually have it on my podcast this week, all of the links, but, and they all stem from uh, podvoices.help, which, which collaborated and put together that list, which I'll give a shout out to Arielle Nissenblatt from Squadcast, which is a recording platform platform. She tirelessly, tirelessly put together that list. So, yeah. well, I live yeah, in Los so. Angeles, so, you know, I'm glad, and I'm, you know, I don't have to worry about it, but there's, there's pockets in the state that feel like other states, you know, and are very much in that mindset. So, but I, I live in the, in the part where, you know, the other, the, the red states don't like, which is fine with me. So I don't want to get political, but yes. Thank you. I'm going to check that out. Podcast. You know, there's Podcast. one thing, if, if it's okay if I jump in real quick, because I know, yeah. Tiffany, um, you were in a school system, too, and I've, I've been a teacher at, at the university and oh, university level and um, and also junior high, high school. And my sister is a professional in special services, so basically children that have, you know, special needs and the one thing I want to say too is, and, and a couple of you mentioned about, you know, foster care is that there are so many children right now that are not taken care of. They either don't have a family or the family that they have is abusive. Um, and so what happens now when we say that there's going to be more children that are perhaps ne- not necessarily unwanted, but that they don't have the financial means because it all boils down to being able to pay for this is that I think it's really irresponsible of our government to also be making these decisions for women when they're in maybe a financial position or they're in a situation of abuse or, you know, there can be all these reasons, as you said, Tiffany, that now we're going to have more mouths to feed. We're going to have more children that don't have what they need. And then what's the trickle down effect of that? And, you know, we're all connected. We're one. And so it just, it's, it's like, we don't we we already realize how many problems there are because we see all the mass shootings and there's no real solution for that right we haven't really addressed mental health we haven't really talked had really serious conversations with the lobbyists and government about gun laws and so to me this is just like adding more fire more logs to the fire by saying, okay, women, now you don't have these choices. Now we're going to have more mouths to feed. And then it just precipitates the same level of trauma and un- unwanted, you know, like it's just, it's not solving problems. And it just makes me really sad because I work with children every day. And even in the best of families, there's struggles, right? Yep. And then when you don't have necessarily your mother or father that has the, you know, even in the best of families, you know, people are detached. They're, you know, I think all of us are dealing with big traumas and little traumas and how we work through those. And I just think it adds more, more fuel to the fire. <coughs> and I think it's really irresponsible of our government. Um, it's, it doesn't show compassion in the least <coughs> towards people's problems and the future of our country. And with that, I will just 
<laughs> zip. zip. <laughs> I, I just want to add one thing. Those are the people that end up in jail. There's, jail is full of unwanted children. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's this really great Ted talk about a, a gentleman who went on to be very successful, but he talks about how he was almost a school shooter. And it talks about this lack of feeling like you fit in. He was bullied all the time. Like, and you, you just know there's hundreds more where those came from, even thousands yeah. of them. So I, I know, I know firsthand because I went through a phase where I read a lot of books about serial killers, and they all mm. have the same profile. Yes. Mm. Yep. So well, it just creates I, more, you know, drugs, you know, because people can't make a living, so then they start dealing drugs, and then it's, you know, it's right. just like the trickle down effect. So it's, um, yeah. I totally I agree. Think a lot of it also goes back to, and Tiffany, you and I have talked about this extensively, is the importance of social and emotional learning mm-hmm. tools in schools. Uh, it's one of the things I do as a Haveny practitioner. It's putting the power in their hands to deal with their emotions. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer that if that existed, more SEL tools existed to the level where it's not, you did something wrong, go to detention and think about it, just like go to your room and think about it, but give them ways and outlets to actually comprehend and think about how they can process things differently. And given, yes, there is there are certain areas of mental health that need additional assistance always, right? But if we start with that, um, maybe there will be less school shootings. Mm-hmm. Maybe there will be less um, violence. Uh, in fact, there would be. I mean, there's been studies on this, but I'd like to think that if we're creating that space for more healing and giving it to the kids at a younger age, they become more well-adjusted adults and are able to deal with their emotions on a much better level and mm-hmm. maybe make different and better choices when yes. they're voting. Yeah. Yeah. Erin, <laughs> you've had your hand raised. Do you want to share? Hi, guys. I'm Erin. I'm just listening and supporting all of you and everything you said and agreeing with you. And I don't know if I have that much more to share. Like I didn't feel incredibly triggered on, on Friday because I felt like this knowledge that I don't matter as a woman is like front and center since Mm -hmm. I've been divorced. And like, as a single mom trying to do things on my own. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it was, it's been really hard, like to navigate the healthcare system after not being married. Um, and while I was working part-time and then having to pay for it out of pocket and then the healthcare that's, uh, uh, provided is just not good. I mean, I think a lot of us can agree with that in so many ways. And I mean, to think of just the, op- the, obstacles we have to walk through to get to a place where building our life as a single person I think you know marriage too like kids creates this idea that we're safe and then if I'm a woman trying to stand on my own it's it's just it's already so hard mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know I didn't think I'd feel um so teary but um I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. I think that as a woman, I just feel like the effect of this is just, it's a suppression of who we are. Mm -hmm. And 
if I was to accidentally get pregnant right now as a single person with a child that's nine, you know, I have a job right now that's full time and I have health care, but it's a temporary contract because I did have tenure and then I left the workforce when I had my baby so that I could be a breastfeeding mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I got divorced and then I got back into the workforce. Finally, now I have a full-time job and benefits again, but now they only give me a temporary contract. And, you know, the, I mean, I think this is something that happens to a lot of people. And so to get to that place where you're like actually tenured again, or where, where you actually have some kind of, um, strength besides marriage, it's like, there is not that does not exist in our country. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just a huge example of that. It's been happening for so long that we are not taken care of as mothers, as, as women, as um, anything. And I, yeah, it just, it really scares me to think like, if I did get pregnant, I mean, I wouldn't want to have a baby. It's so hard. What would that do to my career? What would that do to the son I do have? What would that do to, I wouldn't have any time for my creativity. Um, I know I met Tiffany last summer when we were doing um, the um, made, what is it made to do this with Kathy Heller and like all those women are trying to express our creativity and take time for that. And if we were all having babies or stuck having babies, if there's not contraceptives or, you know, these kind of choices, all of that goes away and our voices get completely muted. Um, so yeah, I guess I do feel something about it. It's just, I've been feeling it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it just was like, not news to me. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> so thanks for letting me share. Erin, that voice being muted. You got me right, right. All the feels, you know, that's, um, I'm with you. I I felt muted through most of my life being in the very strict religion I was in. And you better believe my strict religion was pro-life. And I was raised dogmatically, dogmatically with the belief that abortion is an absolute sin. Um, at the same time, my religion taught us that having children was selfish because the end of the world was coming and we should not be bringing babies when the end of the world is coming. Like it was a crazy, crazy dichotomy where women were often shamed for having babies, right? But you don't have a choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, so I grew up with that insane, you can't win as a woman, Right. And we live in a society where it is a woman that gets pregnant. The woman got knocked up, but never is it, oh, irresponsible man got a woman pregnant, right? And as a single mom, I'm with you, Erin. Like that, I was a single mom in my early 40s, and both of my pregnancies were life threatening pregnancies. My last one, my little boy was in the NICU, and I was very, very, very ill. I had a nurse devoted just to me because of how sick I was and how life-threatening my pregnancy was to me. And I remember thinking, yes, I'm using all of the protection that is available to me, but we all know people where that protection failed. And it was every single month, the sigh of relief when my period came, right? And that shouldn't be the way we feel. We shouldn't have that stress every single month thinking, oh my God, is this going to be the month 
where I have to make this choice where, you know, where, and I had a choice and I could make the choice, but the pain and the stress of even thinking that I might have to make the choice was awful. Um, it was a giant relief to me when my tubes got removed, even though it was related to cancer. It was like, oh my God, the tubes are out. I'm just so grateful, you know? So um, I feel you. I feel you. There's no real answer. I wish, I wish the men that loved us, because there are so many men that love us. There's so many good men in this world. I wish they understood that monthly stress, that terror, that fear. And I wish we lived in a society that was kinder to single mothers. I watched a TED talk about it. And then I watched the commentary on the TED talk about that, where a woman was saying that same-sex couples pre-marriage right to, to be married did not get healthcare rights and couldn't their own children, their own children couldn't be theirs. They had to adopt their own children. Right. And just so many things that marriage is such an institution that is held in Canon as this law. And if you are not married, somehow you're going to be punished, whether it's taxes, whether it's healthcare, whether it's childcare, like whatever it is, we're going to be punished to be single mothers. I could go on and on. I'm not going to go on and on because this is supposed to be a space for you guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I anyway, Erin, I have all the feels with you. I saw something yesterday and I've been having more of these conversations and it really resonated with me that the reason why this has become such a woman's problem meaning reproductive rights, obviously, we're the ones that reproduce, is because not enough men are having these conversations, mm -hmm. okay? Um, if men start, and those who identify as men, start having more conversations about reproductive rights, then it doesn't just become our responsibility, yes. okay? Uh, as a woman and people who can become pregnant, we are often burdened into having to share, which is why society thinks it is a women's problem. Mm -hmm. So men, if there's anyone that's out there listening, once this is out there in the world, start having those compassionate, kind conversations. Be the container for the partner in your life. And just as much as they're there to hold us when we're crying, they might be crying too, as, as we all have trauma and feelings, but if they wait for us to bring up the upset, then it becomes mm -hmm. the overreactive, sensitive woman issue mm -hmm. that makes us look delirious, mm -hmm. makes us look like we have, we're emotional messes. It's our time of the month. All the things that become blame game and shame game. If a man steps up and starts talking about these issues with integrity and authenticity and vulnerability and courage, we might actually have a chance yes. to make a powerful change. Yes, I agree. I agree.
I just wanted to quickly unmute here. My brother is one of our avid listeners of our podcast. He has two young girls, my nieces who are eight and 10 years old. And I have a conversation with him every week after he listens to the episode and he goes, thank you so much, sweets. I didn't know. Mm. And now I do. And because of the information you're putting out there, I can now educate my nieces on that so that they can Mm -hmm. have better education. And that's what this is about, right? It's education. Like I am an educator. I work as a college professor. Most of my kids come from marginalized communities because I work at a community college. These kids are mostly coming from black, Hispanic. I have very few white children in my classroom and the amount of black single mothers that are in my classrooms are just overwhelming. I mean, I never see a single dad, black, white, I don't care, with the kids having to come to the classroom. It is always those black single mothers having to take care of their kids when they're trying to educate themselves. And that is a huge problem. I always allow them to bring their children into the classroom because I understand. But hello, is it why is it only their job? Where's the dad? Why is he not taking care of the kids as well? So I think men are a huge part of this, right? Because we hear all the time, well, this is your problem. It's not mine, but Mm -hmm. there needs to be a conversation where they can understand what we're thinking biologically and like how our cycle works every month, because hello, if you didn't know when somebody says to you, oh, it must be your time of month. You're so hormonal. Just in case you didn't realize our hormones are at the lowest level when we're menstruating. So actually I'm not so hormonal. I have no hormones in my body basically. So thanks so much for that. (laughs) Educate yourselves. But like, we have to be better about that. Men have to be willing to hear conversations and like not look at blood or like whatever is happening with a woman with disgust. Why can't we look at that with beauty? Like for me, having my period was always something I was so proud of. I remember the first time I had it, I like, it was my brother's like welcome weekend at college. And I ran up to him and I screamed, I got my period and everybody turned to look at me. And while they may have been like (laughs) totally disgusted, I was so proud. And that's what we have to continue sharing with the other gender, because I think they just get, they're like, Oh, I don't, this is a little too much for me. They like, really, it's, it's like creeping on the other side. They don't want to discuss it because it may confuse them or maybe even repulse them. But like, if that's the way that they're going to look at this conversation, that's not the way that we open doors and start connecting. That's not the way communication happens. Communication is a two-way street. So I just wanted to add that in there. I love it. I think it's so important. Erin just asked a really good question in the chat that I think we could have a short discussion about as we wrap up this meeting. Erin says, would someone address why we might feel guilty or shame about this court decision? I don't understand why those feelings come about, but I honor anyone's feelings and trust they are valid. And... I'm going to add to that, Erin, we may not understand why we're having these feelings as much as we talk today and we'll talk about it. And we probably have some hypotheses about where these, the shame and the, the guilty feelings come from. And it's, it's a very multifaceted issue, but we may never fully understand because as Hillary said before, there's a ton of generational trauma that as women we have endured. 
I talked about this with, and I'm going to talk for just a minute because I'll open up the, the space for you guys. But I did talk about this with Emily on um, when she was on my podcast and when I was on hers. Um, we have prehistory. In prehistory, before writing, before animal husbandry, in prehistory, there were many, many matriarchal societies, many. And lineage, 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 can't talk, was passed on through the mother. And who the father was, was not very important. In fact, there were many fertility rights and, and things of that sort where um, a woman may have multiple partners. There wasn't traditional marriage. You may take a partner for a little while and then switch. It was a much more fluid type of society and much more seen as children belong to the entire community, right? That whole idea of it takes a village to raise a child was very much in that time. Uh, The spiritual practices were much more mystical because as we know, as women, our hormones are very tied to the earth and the moon and, and tides and seasons. And so religion, spiritual practices were much more mystical and healing practices tend to be a little bit more mystical, herbal, uh, tied to nature, all of that kind of stuff. And then it switched. I did a podcast episode about this. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but then it switched. There's a book called the alphabet versus the goddess. And the theory is that when language started being written down, our brains became more analytical and it really opened something in the male brain. And it, over the course of a couple hundred years, men started saying, I need to take ownership of property. Um, I need to take ownership of these animals. Animal husbandry became much more popular. And so I need to own my animals and I need to know who my children are so that I can pass my property and my animals onto my children. So I need to own my wife. And that is the start of women being mystical and honored and revered for our cycles where our blood and our courses were a part of sacred ritual and sacred practices of suddenly shame became part of being a woman. That is where all those biblical stories about shame started in that time. They, it can all be traced back to that time of shame being attached to the woman as holding sin. And we have been taught since that time, because how do you control people? You separate them. So women went from this village to we're separated. We're in women. We can't talk to each other and our mystical practices would be considered witchcraft. And, um, our, our men keep it. We now have to, um, be jealous of each other and not trust each other and be in competition with each other and be very jealous and it's been, you ladies, it's been thousands of years of this being ingrained in us. Shame has been ingrained in us because it is the greatest way to control us. Distrust of each other is the greatest way to control us because women are flipping powerful. And if we come together and we come, we connect and our voices come together, we are so powerful that yes. 
patriarchy is terrified of that. I'm not going to say men because not all men are terrified of that, but the patriarchal building of so much of our society cannot survive if we are powerful and we are connected and our power comes in our connection and our releasing of shame. Get off my soapbox now. I said I was going to talk very long and I did. I'm sorry. It's on podcaster. I am so sorry. This is just whew, what happens. Okay. Almost quiet. <laughs> Who'd like to take the reins on that one? <laughs> I think you shared it beautifully. It makes me think of um, the red tent, which mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, you know, as a sisterhood, we are a sisterhood. We are powerful and we are a world that's one big sorority in a way, you know, like we want to be there for each other. We support each other. We are there for each other. And even if you're not related, we're related. Tearing that apart is, um, is what keeps us small. Mm -hmm. And it also just reminds me of the other side of that where, you know, we talk, you're talking about the witches and whatnot. I mean, even, it even comes down to creating, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like at the 13th of the month, right? You mm-hmm. know, the 13 is a bad number. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the 13th was the day that the women would meet and congregate to talk about women's issues, like your period, like I've got cramps, like I've got to take care of the babies. And suddenly it's seen as a superstition that's negative, you know? So, the all of these theories are created by this patriarchal society that has been here for thousands of years. And we have the right and we also have the means to take it back. And it is mm-hmm. fear. It always comes back to fear. And going back to the point originally about fight or flight, ladies, that's where we live. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in fight or flight. That's the yellow on the stop sign. Our job is to spend more time between the green and the yellow than the red and the yellow. Mm-hmm. And be able to come from a place of strength and compassion and kindness and poise and have the power of the pause to think about things before we react. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's listening to the crazy person. Nobody's going to listen to the one that's yelling and screaming at the on the on their podium. They're going to listen to the people that are s- just slow with the roll. Mm-hmm. So be slow with your roll with your actions. Come from a place of of real thought and an intention and they don't have a choice, but to listen. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Holly, how are you feeling about, cause you opened us up with the, the shame and the guilt. How are you feeling now as we're wrapping this up? I am feeling that all feelings are valid mm-hmm. and that I have been given permission to feel what I feel without judgment, without trying to put it in a little box. Um, I mean, Aaron, to kind of answer your question, I think I let off by talking about feeling guilty. I think it's because I do have a lot of privilege. I have mm-hmm. a really great life through the last two years. I haven't had anything like really major happen in my life. And um, this broke me, like this ruling like stopped me. And so I think the feelings of guilt were like, who am I with mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a 16 year old girl in Arkansas, you know, that Mm -hmm. like, but somehow that whole 
I think what you said, I think you said it to me, Emily, about, or maybe you did, Hillary, about like, being a nurturer. I think it awoke this like mm-hmm. mama bear in me that said mm-hmm. like, this is not okay. And so I think the guilt was more about feeling like, who am I to feel this way? But like, F that, you know, this is how I feel. And it's like, so yeah, I mean, to bring it full circle to talk about guilt, I don't feel guilt about it anymore. <laughs> Thank you. And we- we can look at it as, yes, you are that 16-year-old girl in Arkansas. Yes, you are. Right. Because right. we all are. We all are. And that brings us together. That creates that humanity. That no matter what that 16-year-old girl's financial situation is, no matter the color of her skin, no matter what her family situation is, the fact is she's scared. She's worried. She's she needs help. She needs comfort. She needs understanding. She needs a hug. She needs a mama bear. And we've all been that 16 year old girl and we've been that 40 year old mom. And we've been that, you know, we've been, we've all been that whether we've actually been it physically or not, we've all been it. And we, and that is what is our strength. And if we can keep that empathy and that connection strong so that when we see that 16-year-old girl, that 20-year-old girl, that 28-year-old girl, that what whoever it is, no matter her situation, no matter what is happening, we can have compassion. Then, then I think we've done something good, right? And that's what you talked about, about the connection too, mm-hmm. is that keeping, you know, the, the, the power that is, is, seems to be taking over now. It's like, wants us to be separate, wants us yes. to, you know, not be connected to each other. So thank you all for this, because this is a ripple. Separated people are easy to control. If you, I I actually would love to set out a challenge for each of us and it is going to be a challenge, but reach out to those people that don't agree with you and connect on a very human level without judging them or anything like that. Like we all have somebody in our family or in our friend circle who may have been celebrating this, this decision. And can we just connect at a human level and, and try to understand them and maybe that will help them understand us. Like if we can start making bridges, even just a few bridges here and there, we're building bridges. And then maybe, maybe we come together. There is such an intense divide right now and change can't be made when we are so separated. So let's come together in some way. It's got to happen. Does anybody else have anything they want to say before we close this up? I'll just add at the end here that I listened to Glennon Doyle's podcast this week. It was her sister, Amanda, who's on the show sharing, and it was so good. And she spoke, I don't know, she kind of read an essay, but in a way that sounded like it was coming from her heart. It was really right on. So listen to that if you haven't mm. on um, that. on her podcast. I love Glennon so much. I'd love to make a suggestion for all of us. Yes. Um, I think we can probably all agree that there is power in words and power in numbers. Mm -hmm. And 
the way I started my podcast this week was having people share one word. I, I recorded like, I don't know, like 50 people just sharing a word of what the Roe versus Wade uh, overturn meant to them. But then the other side to that is after having conversations like this, what is your word? Mm. What are you walking away with this? Like Tiffany, you asked Holly how she's feeling now. What if we go around the room just from holding space for each other right now and see the power that comes from an hour and 15 minutes of just sharing Mm -hmm. and see what the word is, because that in itself will leave you on a positive Mm -hmm. thinking like I'm not alone. I'm supported. I'm guided. And it might be a nice way to maybe end the conversation. I think that's beautiful. Let's do it. Who'd like to get us started? Go ahead, Regina. Love. Mm. It's going to make me cry. I know. We'll just go around because it's hard on Zoom. You can't really go around the circle because you were all different. Emily, what is your word? I'm going to say ripples. Mm, I like that. Aaron, what's your word? French. Hillary. Empowered. Mm. Lynn. I'm going to say love. I'll go with Regina too. Holly. I'm going to say strong. Oh. And I'm going to say connection. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. This is beautiful. It was this the medicine my soul needed today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with this group of beautiful, compassionate, courageous women as much as I did. I think my big takeaway from today is just how very, very important it is for us all to come together and listen. We are hurting we are grieving, we are angry, we are confused, and it's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of curiosity to move forward. It's going to take a lot of togetherness and a lot of listening, and we need to make sure we are listening to voices that are traditionally underrepresented, voices that are traditionally hushed, We need to be listening to Native American voices, to LGBTQ voices, to BIPOC voices, women of color. We need to be listening to women that are in challenging social emotional circumstances. We need to be listening to educated women that live their life in social activism, talking about these topics. We need to listen to women where this topic directly affects them and hear their stories. And so if there is anything you take away from today, it is let's listen, let's be curious, let's come together, let's cross those political lines. Let's not have this be a political conversation. Let's have this be a human conversation. The other thing I would love for you to take away from today, this is what I know I took away from today, is that conversation about shame and guilt. It kept coming up today. 
I, I feel guilty. I feel shame. We, guilt and shame are often emotions that are unproductive. Shame disconnects us from others. Shame puts up a wall. Shame says, if I tell somebody how I'm feeling or my experience with this, then they may shun me. But by doing that, we close them out. Same with guilt. Guilt has a very, very similar profile of shutting others out. And so rather than having shame and guilt, let's switch those to, I want to listen to your story. I want to hear your story. I want to connect with you on your story. And I'd like to be curious and engaged and involved in how to improve everybody's lives. (laughs) How do we listen? And then how do we get active? And how do we make improvements? Those are the takeaways I have from today. I would love to hear your takeaways. I really want to know how this ruling is impacting you. I'd love to hear from you what some other topics are that you would like me to explore. I feel like I'm making a little bit of a shift. I'm really in a place right now where raise your voice (laughs) has become my motto and my theme and my anthem. And I want everybody's voices to be raised. So share with me, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram. I'm Tiffany Kane, T-I-P-H-A-N-Y-K-A-N-E. And please share this episode with somebody that you think would find solace and comfort and connection from hearing the episode. And if you like this episode, Go down in Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom, and leave me a rating and review. When you do that, it helps others to find the podcast. Thank you so much. Raise the volume of your voice. Go out there and be heard.